And welcome in to Rush the Field. I'm Jay Binkley along with Julio Sanchez producing the operation. College football. Actually, it's been a night of football in 16. I like Thursday nights. Players only with Dana Hughes and Joe Mays. Tonight they had Eric Hicks. Check it out on demand. 610sports.com. Followed by the Chris Kleiman Show. And Chris Kleiman is all smiles. We'll talk a lot about Chris Kleiman tonight as uh, the Kansas State Wildcats beat the Oklahoma Sooners, the fifth-ranked Oklahoma Sooners, last weekend in Manhattan. Big game for them. And, uh, of course, the Sunflower Showdown looming for the Kansas State Wildcats and Kansas Jayhawks this week in Missouri with the weekend off. So, happy Halloween, everybody out there, and uh, getting your treats on. Um, have fun tonight. Be safe and uh, be careful. But starting with this, and we'll be joined by the usual cast of characters. Same three join me each week. John Kurtz from K-Man in Manhattan. Also, uh, the Faithful Tour Colors podcast on demand, 610sports.com. Followed by Gary Pinkle, who joins me each and every week. Talks Missouri. Uh, with a bye week in Missouri, talked a little bit about the paying of college athletes. That's new on the horizon, the NCAA. Trying to tackle is uh, California. Filed lawsuit, then all of a sudden the state of Florida, then Ohio. All these states filing suit. NCAA, I can't keep up with all this. We're going to make changes, or are they? That's the question. Still a mess from the NCAA on paying athletes, and how are you going to do this? Stay tuned. This is not going away. This will be a major factor in college football. Plus, Josh Klingler, sideline announcer for the Kansas uh, Jayhawks, also the co-host Fesco in the morning, will join us as well. Starting off with Kansas State. I think uh, when you look at the good, the bad, and the great from uh, last weekend at the local schools, once again, I think college football is fun around here, unless you're a Missouri fan. You're not having a lot of fun right now after back-to-back losses from the Missouri Tigers. But if you're Kansas State, and if you're Kansas, you like the direction your programs are going. Kansas State, and again, I think this was a great hire. Said it when they did it. Chris Kleiman, there was no flash, no sizzle with Chris Kleiman in Manhattan. But why? It's my question. He groomed Carson Wentz to get drafted where he was. He recruited the Kansas City area nicely at North Dakota State. He built that program up so much college game day would show up for North Dakota State games. Four, four rings as a head coach and also uh, three rings. Once he was a defensive backs coach and two as a defensive coordinator. So seven rings he brings with experience to Manhattan. I like to hire because where else is he going? This is probably a guy that will be there as long as Bill Snyder, in my opinion. He's not going to jump ship. Then you got Kansas down the street with Les Miles. You know, brings a little more flash, brings that ring. Uh, just a different way of business, but we'll get more to the Sunflower Showdown this weekend. But Kansas State, and what can you say about this team? Unbelievable performance. And not only that, it was local product. Skylar Thompson, Fort Osage High School, former Simone Trophy winner, doing stuff like this. Walks it in from the four, and it's 10-6. to six. Touchdown, K-State. Time drive by the Wildcats there. He wasn't done. Here come the Sooners. Thompson runs. He's at the 10 to the 5. Wildcat touchdown. Wildcat touchdown. Skyler Thompson from 14 yards away. And K-State has the lead. Skyler Thompson just all over the place. Single setback. Thompson will run the ball. He is in again. Skyler Thompson with another touchdown run. This time from three yards out. And Kansas State with 7.31 to go in the third. Leads number five, Oklahoma. It's 33-23. to Skyler Thompson ended up with four rushing touchdowns on the day. Wasn't the leading rusher for Kansas State. Poured uh, 39 yards on the ground. That was James Gilbert. Went over 100 yards again for the Kansas State Wildcats. He's actually led the Wildcats in rushing every single week, except for the TCU game that was 
Skylar Thompson. Balanced attack for Kansas State. And I think really a three-part game when you look at it against the Oklahoma Sooners. Now, keep in mind, they almost beat them as within a score with Baker Mayfield a couple years ago. Jalen Hurts for Oklahoma. Fantastic game. This Oklahoma Sooners team is no joke. Alex Grinch comes in controlling that defense. Oklahoma's defense has played much better this year. They haven't had that defense to go along with that offense. But Jalen Hurts, 395 yards passing, a touchdown. Also on the ground, 96 yards and three touchdowns. He did his deal. Oklahoma, a nice 17-7 lead in the first quarter. Second, third quarter belonging to Kansas State. So it's a tale of three games. There's one game when Kansas, when, when Kansas State falls behind Oklahoma and you're sitting there going, uh-oh. I mean, the play calling by Lincoln Riley, one of the offensive geniuses in this country that's going places. And again, this Oklahoma team is no joke. Second quarter, Kansas State rebounds, 17-6. to They win that quarter. Then the third quarter, they win 17 to nothing. But then the Oklahoma Sooners come charging back. Again, tale of three games. You had the first part. You had the middle two quarters. In the final quarter, Oklahoma outscores Kansas State. 18-7 comes down to an onside kick. If you're a Kansas State fan and you're sweating it a little bit, looked like you were rolling Oklahoma out of the building in Manhattan, but here they came. And I don't think Kansas State like being 24-point underdogs at home either. I think that stuff resonates. I thought it was crazy. I thought it was crazy or 24 points just because it's Manhattan, Kansas, Kansas State Wildcat. But this is a huge win for Chris Kleiman. Not only that, I think it's one of the bigger wins at Kansas State. Bill Snyder had some big, big wins. Of course, the Big 12 uh, winning the game against A&M that was a loss. The one they had in St. Louis where they could have gone to the national title. You know, beating Nebraska, there's been some signature wins for Kansas State. But this is right up there. You have a young coach trying to prove himself in Manhattan, Kansas. Chris Kleiman takes out the Oklahoma Sooners. Again, this was no joke. This Oklahoma Sooners team was freaking loaded. Jalen Hurts will be in New York for the Heisman Trophy ceremony. Whether he wins it or not, I don't know if they're going to three-peat. There's Chase Young, the defensive end at Ohio State, which they need to start looking at defense because this guy is probably the best player in the country. Justin Fields, the quarterback at Ohio State. Ohio State, by the way, is rolling people by 40 points a game. No joke, but I do think he gets invited to New York. So three straight years for them. But Skyler Thompson, 18-28, 213 yards, and then he ran for another 39 yards. But as a whole, Kansas State throws for 213 yards. They run for 213 yards. You know what that is, Julio? That is called balance. It all sets up for this weekend. The Sunflower Showdown. This is not a game to say, eh, you know, it's a Sunflower Showdown. Who cares? No, this one matters. And this one matters in several different respects. I'm telling you what, this game matters so much that the top 10 recruits in the state of Kansas, Kansas State has 7, 9, and 10. Kansas State doesn't have anybody in the top 10. The best lineman in the uh, state of Kansas committed to Nebraska. The best running back, the number two recruit in the state of Kansas, committed to Minnesota. The best wide receiver, the four-star recruit out of Bishop E.H., committed to Minnesota. What's going on? Climate. It was uncertainty. Who's going to be coaching at K-State? Who's going to be coaching at Kansas? A little bit of uncertainty. Guys committed to other places. And I felt the Big Ten uh, with, with Nebraska and Minnesota really taking advantage of the uncertainty in Manhattan and Lawrence, Kansas. But that's what they did. But Kansas, switching offensive coordinators to Brent Dearman, I don't believe you can switch head coaches and have a lot of success because the guy is not there till the end of the season. Julio, you were big on, on Kansas going down to Texas. They put 48 points up. I feel on an angry Texas team that just got beat by Oklahoma the weekend before. A pissed off 
Texas team. They put up 48. Should have probably won the game, but they let Texas come right down and beat the game. But again, I'm not into moral victories. Like the Chiefs, forget about it. No moral victories against the Packers. Forget about that. College, you do have them. Why? Because Kansas felt better about that loss than Texas felt about that win. Moral victory. Les Miles needed that because it parlayed it. Les Miles parlays that, and actually Kansas finished the game against Texas Tech, 37-34. Those are the games Kansas loses. They lose those when they're competitive. Boom. Brent Deerman comes in. He's up-tempo, fast-paced. He was the head coach at Bethel in the NAIA last year. 55 points a game, more than any other college program in points per game. It was unbelievable. Former uh, consultant for Gus Malzahn, Kansas brought him in too. And again, they're smart. This is what I think the Chiefs should have done. You know, you bring in a defensive consultant last year, like Spags, he wasn't doing anything. And then you make the switch and you go with somebody else. Brent Deerman has made a big difference at the University of Kansas. They're going to have to hold on to this guy. Now, he's not going to get the run this year in the job offers, but they're going to come soon if he does indeed turn us around. So why the Sunflower Showdown, 230 this weekend, such a big game. Kansas, that 37-34 win over Texas Tech. But it's against K-State, and I think the Sunflower Showdown actually matters. Now, as far as the bad, Missouri. Lost to Kentucky 29-7. to And to be honest with you, this is one of the uh, worst losses for Missouri. I'll be honest with you. They should have been mad about what happened at Vanderbilt. Should have been really upset with that. But the starting quarterback for Kentucky in that game was Lynn Bowden Jr. He's a wide receiver. The leading receiver for Kentucky this year, the leading receiver for Kentucky a year ago, they don't have quarterbacks. Their backup is Sawyer Smith, hurt. They lost their starter earlier in the season. And you know what? For Kentucky, they have to rely on a quarterback just coming in basically running like a wildcat formation. Terry Wilson, their normal starter out at the beginning of the year. Sawyer Smith backups. Uh, Lynn Bowden Jr., 30 catches, 348 yards. The nearest other receiver Kentucky has 15 catches. He's got double, but he's filling in at quarterback. Played a little quarter. He played quarterback in high school, but Missouri can't allow that to happen. And all of a sudden, the Barry Odom talk uh, resumes in Columbia. Not ready to say Barry needs to go. I think he needs some good recruiting classes and give him a chance. I do believe he's a good coach, but these last two weeks not going in his favor. Missouri was sitting right there atop the SEC East with games still against Georgia. That's who they play next week after the bye. Still got Florida coming to Columbia. This is what T.J. Moe had to say about Barry Odom. He's a uh, former Missouri Tiger player, of course. He does uh, radio in St. Louis. He was on uh, uh, the new podcast, the True Sun podcast by Brandon Kiley. You can check that out. It's right. It's fresh. Just came out today. 435 uh, Podcast Network, 610sports.com. This is what TJ Moe had to say with Kiley. My support hasn't wavered at all, so I, I'm not sure why people get those so confused. Everybody's just it's, it's like everybody's personal goal on Twitter to get me to say fire Barry Odom, and it's just not going to happen because I don't base my opinion on singular games, and I especially don't base my opinion when a coach has three years of growth for a team and then starts a season five and one off of two bad games. I'm not going to do that. Now, if, it's, if you struggle and you have uh, games and, and periods of time where everything is not going perfect, well, that's called being normal. This season is, a, is not perfectly the same, but similar to our 2009 season. It just so happens that Gary Pinkle had some really big years before that. But in 2009, we beat Illinois, nearly lost to Bowling Green, probably should have, started out 4-0, then got beat by Nebraska on a Thursday night when they had no business beating us, uh, and they came back. Oklahoma State beat us, and then we got blown off the field against Texas 
and everybody saying, what happened to this Gary Pinkle team? It, what the hell is the matter with you? And this is sort of where this team is finding themselves right now. You, the backs are up against the wall, and they got to start swinging. We had a team that ended up swinging, and we finished that season 8-4 and four before the bowl game. Uh, that's similar to where this team is. I, I don't think there's a, a big place to be making judgments on a coach who has had more wins every season that he goes about and then have two poor games and say, see, there's justification. He should be fired. Everybody who supported him is an idiot. That's uh, from the True Sun podcast with Brandon Kelly, the uh, producer of The Drive. We have you covered the 435 Podcast Network. That, the True Sun podcast, all about Missouri. John Kurtz does the Kansas State podcast each and every week. He joins us next. Huge win for Kansas State. Now it's the Sunflower Showdown on the horizon. John Kurtz, McKayman in Manhattan next. Rush the Field with Jay Binkley. In time to talk to a man that's very happy about a Kansas State win last weekend. John Kurtz. Follow him on Twitter at JL Kurtz, sports director, K Man in Manhattan, Kansas. Not only that, he's the uh, the host of the Fable to Our Colors podcast on the 435 Podcast Network. And if you're not checking this thing out at 610sports.com, not only do we have Kansas covered with Levine, not only do we have Missouri covered with uh, Brandon Kiley, but we have uh, Kansas State covered with John Kurtz. And he had Michael Bishop on this week to tell some stories about Bill Snyder and Tom Brady. Welcome to the show, John. Hey, what's up, Jay? I appreciate the uh, the promo there, man. It was a lot of fun. Michael Bishop, my favorite athlete of all time. You explain that, man, because you call him the GOAT. Now, to, to, to be somebody's GOAT, you have to have done something, all right? Everybody's got their GOATs. Why is Michael Bishop your GOAT? Yeah, so he's the GOAT to me because he's he's the greatest of all time. I would tell you greatest K-State football player of all time. Uh, I think at least greatest K-State quarterback of all time. And for me, uh, some of this is a little bit, I, I play it up because he hit at the perfect time for me as an impressionable young kid. So I was born in 1989 and Bishop played in 97 and 98. So I'm an eight or nine year old kid. As Michael Bishop, this, this larger than life figure is leading the two most successful, arguably, seasons in K-State football history, back to back 11 with seasons. They beat Donovan McNabb in the Fiesta Bowl his first year. The second year, they made the run within an eyelash of the national championship game. He was the Heisman runner-up. And frankly, a lot of years, I think, would have won the Heisman, if not for the fact that Ricky Williams kind of got a career achievement award in, in 1998 um, for what he did. And don't get me wrong, he was great. But in a lot of years, I think Bishop is good enough to win it. So all of that, combined with, with what I was and where I was in life when all that was happening, to me, he is he is really, truly uh, the greatest college football player of all time at K-State. No question. He kind of embodied, I think, what Bill Snyder won in the quarterback. I mean, I think about the, the you know the the great handling he did with quarterbacks when he was head coach, but I don't think anybody really embodied kind of truly what Bill Snyder fully wanted to do other than Michael Bishop. I mean, like Andy Reid. You know, he's been coaching a long time, and finally he has the quarterback of Mahomes to facilitate what he wanted to do, and I always thought that Bishop was able to facilitate every single thing Snyder wanted. I think that's a perfect way to say it, because previous to Michael Bishop, K-State had had all these pocket passers, and, and uh, Bill Snyder was basically, he was the change-up to the fastball of the Big 12 at that time because it was all high form and option and that kind of thing. And he came in throwing it all over the place with guys like Chad May. But Michael Bishop was the, the line of delineation there where all of a sudden Bishop comes in and the Wildcat offense, Urban Meyer will tell you the Wildcat craze and all of that. 
because of the way Bill Snyder used Michael Bishop, and he started running the quarterback. And you know, Bill Snyder really chased that that high, so to speak, the entire rest of his tenure, both one and two, at K State, with preferring the mobile quarterback. So I, I think that yes, that definitely adds to it. Speaking of quarterbacks getting the job done, Skylar Thompson. This past weekend, I enjoyed this Kansas State Oklahoma game a lot. I honestly thought it was you're getting to watch three games in one. Oklahoma, the way they started off, you know, seventeen to seven first quarter. Can Kansas State hang with them? Then Kansas State throws seventeen up in the second quarter. They start the blowout of Oklahoma, not just beating them, blowing them out. And then here came Oklahoma at the end, kind of making it a different game on itself. I, I, to me, watched this thing thinking it was three different games, but what an impressive win. Obviously, this gives Chris Kleiman something to build on. But, uh, yeah, Oklahoma, no match for the uh, Kansas State Wildcats last Saturday. It was crazy. At one point in that game, K-State went through a stretch in the second and third quarter where they outscored Oklahoma 41-6. to It went from 17-7 to Oklahoma to 48-23 to K-State. Wildcats scored on eight straight possessions. They wound up being eight for eight in the red zone. They had literally perfect balance, 213 yards rushing and passing. Uh, they were getting stops on third down. The defense was. They forced a couple of field goals. They turned Oklahoma over. Uh, the offense had 38 minutes in time of possession to control the clock. It, it was about as perfect outside of the last, we'll say the last 10 minutes of that game notwithstanding. It was about as perfect as K-State really could have played and, and just blew me away. I The offense has been really the problem with this team, and, and I've been telling you that over the last couple of weeks when I've been on, on your show here, and, and the offense really has all of a sudden found some real footing. I think as they've become healthier, Malik Knowles was able to play 32 snaps in that game against Oklahoma. And then Jordan Brown, he missed two games at running back and came back and, and had a great day. Um, had a, almost 100 total yards, one really big catch. Uh, was averaging over six yards per carry on the ground. I, I think that made a huge difference as well. And, and Tyler Thompson continues to rise to the occasion. Uh, he's been, he has been so much more effective since they have used his legs more, which started in the Baylor game. But the last three games, he's had at least 10 carries each game. He only had 17 the entire season combined before that. He had four rushing touchdowns against Oklahoma. So it's added a new dimension to the offense while still preserving his health well enough. And I think all of that just came together on Pretty magical Saturday with an Oklahoma team that probably was not expecting that kind of a fight. Yeah, no question. Gilbert has actually, you know, led Kansas State in rushing every single game except for that TCU game. You know, two weeks ago, that's where Skylar Thompson led. But as you said, Skylar Thompson ended up with four touchdowns on the ground against Oklahoma. Listen, I mean, Kansas State's had some impressive wins, no doubt about it. Bill Snyder had some great wins. This is right up there, in my opinion, because this Oklahoma team is no joke. You have an experienced quarterback that's, what, 33-3 and as a starter in Jalen Hurts. Uh, the guy still put up 395 yards passing. He still ran for 96 and accounted for four touchdowns. Um, Oklahoma, a legitimate chance to back-to-back-to-back Heisman Trophy winners. Jalen Hurts goes to New York. No question in my mind whether he wins it or not. It's a different story, but I do believe he goes to New York. But it's um, this, this Oklahoma team's legit. I mean, Alex Grinch had come in. And they finally had a defense established at Oklahoma. But as far as the Pantheon of Kansas State victories, I think uh, it'll take some time kind of to rank where the Kansas State victories are. But this Oklahoma team's no joke. I think it's definitely up there. And, and that's the wild part about it and what's so exciting about it is that it's it's year one. That was game seven of the Chris Climate era. Yeah. So you talk about establishing legitimacy to what you are as a coach for a guy that's really the main – 
mark against him coming into the job was that he was an FCS coach. And a lot of fans were pretty skeptical about the hire when he first came in. I think there was a lot of negative recruiting going on on the recruiting trail about, hey, this guy is, you know, these guys just came from FCS. What could they possibly be doing here at the Power 5 level? It's going to be hard to play that card now that K-State has, uh, you know, I think, arguably the best win in college football so far this year by knocking off Oklahoma and doing it in sound fashion. I know it, it took a crazy comeback to hold off at the end, but the way K-State got up on Oklahoma was, was incredibly impressive. Um, Bill Snyder was great, and don't get me wrong about just everything he did and everything he meant for the program, but he, he did lack some of the big marquee wins like this. Uh, the last time K-State had beaten the top five team was actually Ron Prince when Texas came in. So that was Prince's M.O. He'd win the big games and not take care of everything else. Chris Kleiman so far has sprinkled in a little bit of both, but I do think, I will say, a, a tremendous challenge this week to get 18- to 21-year-old kids down off of that high from the Oklahoma game this past Saturday and take on what's more than a game Kansas squad in Lawrence. I'll tell you this much about Kleiman. He's a winner. What He won four as a head coach. What He was on Craig Bull's staff for, what, three of them, too, right? So he's got seven rings? Yep, seven rings. Yeah, not bad at all as far as that. Now, speaking of a guy winning at a different level, because football is football, Brent Dearman, the offensive coordinator of Kansas, has Kansas feeling good offensively? You know, they're huddling. It's the quick tempo. Uh, what they did down in Texas I don't think should be slighted, the 48 points on the road, nearly, I mean, a moral victory. I don't believe in moral victories, but you know what? That was a moral victory for Kansas because they felt better about a loss than Texas did in a win, but then they parlay it um, last weekend with, with, a, with a nice win at home. This Sunflower Showdown finally has some meaning to it, and, you know, you look at the top ten recruits in the state of Kansas. Kansas State's getting three of them. Uh, Kansas is getting none of them, but it's later on in the in the, in the ten, seven, what, nine and ten, for Kansas State, top three recruits, including the top receiver and running back in the state, um, going to Minnesota. So I think this is a big marquee game for Kleiman and Les Miles to get the upper hand on each other right in game one. Oh, there's no doubt about it. I think it's a huge game. It was always going to be a huge game because of that, but now it feels even more so because there is some extra juice really added to it from Kansas's win over Texas Tech and the way they have played since Deerman's become the offensive coordinator and then K-State with a 5-2 and two start with that win over Oklahoma. Uh, they've already, those two coaches, Les Miles and Chris Kleiman, gone head-to-head many a time on the recruiting trail. K-State was able to get Keenan Garber, for instance, away uh, from Lawrence and come to K-State. Meanwhile, on the other side, Gavin Potter is having a nice season filling in at linebacker for KU, and that was a kid that was at one time committed to K-State, but flip-flopped over to Les Miles in Kansas. So you already have a lot of examples of that. I think this game will be massive. Uh, as far as both coaches are concerned on the recruiting trail, because if you're K-State and you win this game, you're 6-2. and two, You have four games left on the schedule that all appear to be at least reasonably winnable. You're talking about an 8- or a 9-win season, potentially, for K-State in year one under climate and maintaining your stranglehold on the state of Kansas. Meanwhile, if you let Les Miles win this game, then all of a sudden Kansas has their big building block early in his tenure to hold over your head when you are out on the recruiting trail and you'll lose a lot of that buzz that you just got and picked up from the Oklahoma game. So I think there's a ton on the line with this game on Saturday. Kansas, Kansas State, 2.30, the Sunflower Showdown. Uh, sense of a big game in Manhattan. It's not going to be one of those kind of letdown games for the Wildcats where you know they beat Oklahoma, they're feeling good about themselves. I, I'm sure the attention already was on this game even before the Oklahoma game. Any sense of a letdown uh, from the Wildcat perspective? 
Well, that's the million dollar question to me because this team has been on a roller coaster ride already this season. The extreme high of the first three games and winning at Mississippi State, the low of going over a month without a win and having those two uh, pretty bad losses back to back to Baylor and Oklahoma State. At least it felt fairly hopeless watching the offense in those two games. And now the last two weeks, which have been awesome. Can this team be consistent enough to go on the road and handle their business to Kansas? I, I think really is the million dollar question here. I will say that. Chris Kleiman and players and the assistants that we've all talked to this week, they've really shown laser focus. I mean, they've said all of the right things. There is not much basking in the glory of the Oklahoma win going on at, at these press conferences. So all indications as far as we can tell would be that K-State is going to be in good shape as far as that is concerned, but it's such a hard thing. I think even as good a coach as you can possibly be, sometimes it's just hard to rein in 18- to 21-year-old kids and keep them, especially in today's day and age, from – getting on Twitter and just seeing the highlights of last week and everybody loving them up. Skyler Thompson was winning a bunch of awards, national awards this week. K-State was the team of the week. Courtney Mussingham was the offensive coordinator of the week. It can be difficult to shut some of that stuff out, especially when the opponent is Kansas. It just doesn't have the same kind of juice to it that Oklahoma did. So I do think there's, there's a question to be answered there for K-State. But if they can answer it, they are going to be in just excellent shape for the rest of the season and just for the Chris Kleiman era moving forward. That's John Kurtz, our Kansas State insider, on Rush to Field from K-Man in Manhattan, Kansas. Follow him on Twitter, at JL Kurtz. And like I said, I strongly recommend all Cat fans, or even non-Cat fans just like college football, go check out his latest podcast, Faithful to Our Colors. Links on Twitter, and of course, uh, 435 Podcast Network, 610sports.com. Thanks a million, John. Anytime, Jay. Thanks. There you go. John Kurtz in Manhattan to Gary Pinkle next. By the way, Big 12 in action tonight. Baylor, undefeated Baylor 7-0, leading West Virginia 7-0 at this point. Georgia Southern 10-7 over the newly ranked Appalachian State 10-7 in that game. Coming up next, Gary Pinkle, our weekly guest, legendary coach at Missouri, all-time wins leader there, and Toledo. The big thing on the horizon, Missouri's got a bye week. What about paying college athletes? Gary doesn't hold back. What's he think about that next? Joining us now on Rush to Field, time to talk Missouri Tigers. With the only, the one, the only, the legend, Gary Pinkle, Coach Gary Pinkle. Uh, check him out online, GaryPinkle.com, GPMade.com. You can get his book, The 100-Yard Journey. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But, Coach, uh, good evening. Good evening. How you doing? Hey, it's Halloween. You big Halloween guy? Yeah, my my oldest child, my daughter, was born uh, on Halloween back in the day, you know, quite a few years ago. And, uh, nice. She was a great blessing in my life. So it, uh, she was a Halloween baby. We well, got the grandkids and stuff now too. Do they? they, they do you uh, full size candy bar or small candy bars? <laughs> uh, well, for my grandkids, I get full size. There you go. There you go. It's, uh, yeah, yeah. So I, I that's the kind of thing that kind of move them in. So I'm not <laughs> I was just, I was just curious if you're a full size candy bar, small candy bar. My my kids are are grown now, so they don't. Uh, they don't do as much as the Halloween. I miss it, though. I miss them coming back with, like, candy. I'm not going to lie. Uh, but, Coach, uh, Missouri, uh, tough loss at Kentucky last week, 29-7. Uh, to seven. And we talked about, you know, the fact that they had to go on the road so much in the SEC, three straight road games. They have the week off this week. I'll ask you this question. Uh, when you have a bye week after a couple of tough losses that the Tigers have had, would you rather have the bye week to prepare for a team like Georgia, which – you know, it's a good team, as we know. Or would you rather get back on the field and try to avenge those losses? 
Well, I, I think, you know, first of all, you just play the calendar the way it is. So, I, you know, it is what it is, and, and you kind of deal with that. Um, because ideal, generally, ideally, you don't really get what you want all the time. But, I, you know, I think the second bye week, I think, is significant because you can win or lose the previous game. Uh, that, that extra week in there at this part of the season really gives you a chance to rest up a little bit. You know, you can, you know, the last bye they had was like four weeks ago where they practiced like kind of normal, except they didn't hit as much. Now, the, now I'm not, I, I think that's what they're doing. They're not going to be practicing as much this week. Got to get them away a little bit. You know, you healed up and then, you know, circle the wagons and get them back and get them going again. So I think generally that's what most people do when they have two buys. Every coach has a different philosophy with the buys. You know whether whether it's practice. Uh, we know Andy Reid's thing: just get away from the facility, the players go have fun, come back recharged, refreshed, that kind of thing. I know coaches yeah. never take a day off, uh, or did you? Well, what coaches are doing all the time? They're all recruiting. They're done. They're gone. Mm-hmm. Every one of them are gone now. They'll 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 get back early to make sure they get game planning. So they will get good game planning for the next game. But but it's a, it's a really a great time to be able to get out, get your whole staff out. On the road and recruiting, and then uh, you know certainly it's have enough time where you could get extra days in preparation for that next game. Coach, you heard any uh, reciprocal values of the uh, South End Zone project? Is it coming into play in recruiting like you thought it would? Oh, I don't think there's any question about it. I mean, that thing is you bring a recruiting in, and that's just first class oh, yeah. there anywhere in the country. And uh, so I think it'd be huge pluses for us in recruiting without question. Um, uh, it's just, uh, it's just really outstanding. And if the fans ever get a chance to stop by and go through it, uh, it'd be a great thing for them to see it. And, but it really, and I was also, you know, Mike Alden put in on the east side, put those, uh, the deck on the east side and, and you know, and the, and the covers on that side and, 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 the, and the north part of the stadium where the end is, he had all that redone and the press box certainly. So we had the press box on both sides and now, but the stadium's complete now. And so we maintain the integrity of who we are. And that's one of the top stadiums in the country. And it's, uh, it's awesome. Cause it gives a great opportunity to recruit. No question about it. I, I mean, yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, you kids walks in there and sees what you guys have done with the facility. It's unbelievable. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more Georgia uh, next week, coach. It's the bye week this week. You had much of an opportunity to step back and look at the, the college football scene nationally. Yeah, I, I look at it. I mean, I, I kind of look at how, how it's winding down a little bit. You know, it's you know you're thinking uh, you know halfway through the season that there's going to be, we're going to have six teams with no losses, but <laughs> it doesn't happen that way. It just keeps getting knocking them out, and it's going to get even more excited. You know, with Ohio State playing Michigan and and playing um, Penn State, and you know, clinching the people that they got to play. And certainly, you look at uh, you know the, the teams in our league. You got LSU and you got Alabama, and that's going to be coming up. And, and Auburn got knocked out because they got two losses. So it's, it's, you know, it's, and then there's people in the Pac 10, the Big 12, Oklahoma gets knocked off. So it's, it's crazy how it's going to come down, but certainly it's really exciting. It's never been more exciting than just right now. And that's why fans go crazy over college football um, all the time. Yeah, there's no question about that. Uh, Alabama um, LSU game on the night is going to be incredible. It has Heisman Trophy implication as well with Tua and then Joe Burrow. Uh, the former Ohio State uh, player that transferred down to LSU that's just having a, a great season. The Big Ten's been fun to watch too, Coach. I, uh, I've i kind of been an SEC guy, I'll be honest with you. But, man, th- this Ohio State team, <laughs> I don't remember seeing a team that at margin of victory is like 40 points a game this deep into a season. Yeah, I mean, that's really uh, – they, they got a really good team. Their defense is playing outstanding. 
quarterback coming in has done a really good job. And, uh, they've done a great job in transition. Um, yeah, they're really, really talented. And so they got a couple of big games coming up themselves. And, you know, can you stick, can you keep away from that one loss? You know, can you do that? And, you know, Oklahoma, we thought it was going to do it. And, yep. you know, look what happened. So there's many situations out there where you can look at uh, teams getting knocked off. But uh, at the end of the day, you have to avoid two losses. One might give you an opportunity to get in somehow. Um, but certainly, uh, you know, those teams that are undefeated, they're still, they're few and far between now. We're going to see how it rolls. And it's all going to play itself out. Look at Alabama. They got, they've got Auburn and they also play LSU. So what the heck? Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not so sure that LSU and Alabama might find their way into that game. It's just like Alabama a few years ago. They don't, not a title game, but they get into the, the playoffs. Is it tough coach when we used to have the, the attention? Cause you're looking at some of these games and obviously, you know, Oklahoma he has some tough games with Kansas State. They they stand up to him once in a while, but they they were steamrolling people. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, you know, rushing for almost two hundred and seventy five yards a game, throwing for over three hundred. Jalen Hurts has been playing crazy. Then Kansas State gets the best of them, and then you see uh, what happened to Wisconsin a few weeks ago. You know, losing uh, to Illinois. <laughs> you, you see a lot of you see a lot of upsets. I mean, it, it doesn't make it, sense. It happens, you know. It does. And everybody, nobody wants it to happen. But that's a, that's the great thing about college football. Yeah. It's a great thing about the NFL. They're all different. Yeah, it's, 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 you know, how can that happen? Well, it does happen. And those teams that can keep away from it and, and, uh, you know, they're the ones that, you know, are going to, you know, at the end have a chance to get in. But, uh, I kind of like the way if, instead of that, if without to me, we would have, we'd, you know, redo all the power five and make four, four big, uh, two, two, you know, uh, one from the center of the country all the way to the West coast and center country all the way to the East coast sure. and have two different leagues. And they would play, and they get together, and you do it all based on winning and losing football games, and not by committee. But we do have a committee now, and I think it's the best it's ever done in terms of trying to make sure that the best teams are in that final four. I remember Diddy Matthews, the uh, legendary Royals broadcaster, one time saying, "Hey, man, expect the unexpected. You know, two good pitchers go into a matchup, game might end up nine to eight, and I've I've kept that for years. And I'm like, when I see these upsets in college football, I'm just like. Well, people are saying, "Oh, someone, so and so is going to hammer somebody." Just expect the unexpected, man. It's college football; you don't know what's going to happen from week one to week two. I mean, it's it's that kind of league, coach. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about this uh, NCAA and what's going on with because I think it's a it's a big deal uh, in college athletics. The uh, payment for likeness, um, California kind of started it, and then you had Florida jump in and Ohio and these other states and the NCAA uh, found themselves in a situation. They had a lot of different states uh, maybe looking for this likeness issue for the college athletes. And the NCAA took a look at it, uh, said they going to going to put some together and see what they can do. But this has uh, become that time and day coach where, you know, the, the payment of college athletes might happen. Well, I think, you know, and, and, you know, as long as everybody gets paid the same amount, I'm okay. I mean, you, 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 you really, does anybody really think you're going to let your top five or six players have their own little contracts that they're going to get this money and the rest of their teammates are no. going to do work their butt off so, so they can help get them the money? I mean, there's got to be some common sense here, and I don't, I don't hear a whole lot of common sense. Most common sense I see is that they, 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 they get a certain amount of money, that the NCAAs get a certain amount of money, that uh, that they divide up amongst all the the, the scholarship players in the in the Power Five and, and maybe the other five too, depending on TV contracts. But they all get the same amount. You don't have the one guy that you're going to get his own. He's going to get his own agent now. 
if that stuff happens, college football it's not it's not it's it, it's, just, it's going to change dramatically. Oh yeah, they get, be, yeah, they get agents. It's, it's completely done. It sounds all real good. You know, it sounds great. I think they should do some more to help these kids. The cost of attendance was great for these kids. It was extra spending money and all this stuff that they've done. And they did that a couple of years ago, and that's really been great. Um, but uh, but you better really think this thing out because if you you imagine coaching a team and the tailback is getting paid. Uh, you know, he's going to make $25,000 at the end of the year for, for his shirts being sold. And the offensive line, they don't know who they are, and they don't get anything, or they get five ninety five. <laughs> I mean, are, are you, do anybody think there's any logic to that at all? They may think the infrastructure of college sports, which is you're not professionals. So whatever they do, as long as they do it equal with the kids in scholarship, they're all getting the same amount, and they're getting them more. I think there's real benefits to that. But yeah. other than that, uh Again, you better watch what you you wish for. Well, last time I checked, the running back needs that offensive line. Yeah, how about it? How about it? <laughs> well, it's just the whole team concept. Yeah. It's just, uh, it's just, it's just, uh, it's really problematic. Now, I think, you know, I think that, you know, try to work together and find a way, but you just can't start. Listen, this isn't when you go to the NFL and you get paid, you know, per game. You don't do this. So, um, I don't know. We'll see where it ends up. I'm all for trying to help kids and sure. give kids more money. Yeah, but you know, we also got to we, we also got to have some common sense to see operation how you really think you can get that done. Yeah, I just wonder how that would fly all in a locker kids, room. All, all the kids, are, all the kids right now, room board books tuition and the cost of attendance is different at different places based on their based on the you know the, the how much it costs to live in a particular area or state or what have you, and so they're all getting the same the same deal. Okay, nobody's got something better than anybody else. So now we've got where they're making off of Madden games and they're making money off of uh, jerseys, selling jerseys and things like that. Well, you guys, like I said, you start having, you know, three or four or five or six players making all the money on the team. And, or, and, and then what about whether alumni, have the alumni buy everyone that sold, sold, sold out so they can get more and more and more and more and more. Uh, it's just, it's, you, you just, They've got to really think this thing out to do it right. And so if they don't, they might mess up college football. Well, that's a great point, too. I mean, you're sitting there and imagine you're running back, making all this cash, driving the nice car, having the nice TVs, having the nice place. <laughs> like the guys in the locker room not having all that. I don't know if that'd fly real well. Yeah, and then, then what people say, well, now now you got to give them a turn, you know, an agent. Yeah, are, are you really, do you really want to go here? I mean, is that, is that what we really want to do? So, anyway. You might have got I, it out I, the right time, Coach. Opinions on that. You might have got it Again, the right I, time. For the record, I want to help these kids. I yeah. want to help them and get them more money. But I want consistency that you know, all the players in scholarship, um, the guys that are blocking for that number five running back who's yeah. going to make all this money, that it's evenly distributed to all the players on scholarship. And so we are taking you know advantage of of uh, you know, universities selling things with likeness of the players, but the whole team is divided to give them the money back. There's some common sense there to me. Good stuff, Coach. I knew you would have opinions on this. Everybody needs to check out GaryPinkle.com, the GP Made Foundation. He does great stuff uh, for kids. And, of course, uh, Christmas is uh, about two months away. Um, yeah, about two months away. Uh, get the book, The 100-Yard Journey. <laughs> I know it, it, it comes well. fast, Coach. It comes fast. Crazy. I mean, It's Halloween. It's gonna be. It's already snowing in Kansas City. I mean, come on. But The 100-Yard Journey, I know yeah, I gave these books out for Christmas, and they were a lot of fun. Coach was uh, here in the studio and uh, signed a bunch for uh, some people, got a couple of those, and gave them out. And I know people uh, really enjoyed it. Whether you're a Missouri fan, I think they might enjoy it more, but I think K-State and, well, I would say Kansas fans will enjoy it, but I'm not sure I could say that. 
<laughs> I ain't going there. I'm not going to go there. So. <laughs> we talked about that last <laughs> week. Last week, I'll let, I'll let people use their imagination on that one, Coach. Hey, ha- ha- happy Halloween to you and your family, Coach. It's always good talking to you, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Okay, go, go Mizzou and go Chiefs, and God bless you. Thank right. you. Thanks, Coach. Thanks. There you go, Coach Gary Pinkle right there. We had talk Kansas. Coming up next, Josh Klingler, Sunflower Showdown, Kansas versus Kansas State. Hear that game right here on 610 Sports Radio. Talk to Kling next. Welcome back to Rush the Field. Jay Binkley, Julio Sanchez producing. Baylor Bears, undefeated Baylor, a little Thursday night Big 12 action. Leading West Virginia at home, 7 0 at halftime. Come on, Baylor, you can just step this up. Speaking of Baylor, that'll be Kansas. Last opponent on the season, but a guy that's getting ready for the Sunflower Showdown. Matter of fact, he dressed like that for Halloween. I don't know how he did it, but Josh Klingler from Fesco in the morning, Kansas Jayhawks sideline reporter. What's up, Kling? Yeah, some giant sunflower. That was my costume. Were you a giant sunflower? Didn't surprise me at all. Hey, man, we've been talking about this Brent Derriman, all right? We've been talking about this guy. And, you know, he needed to prove himself first. And I'll be honest with you, 48 points at Texas, and then finding a way to actually finish against Texas Tech. This guy's getting the job done. He's made Carter Stanley a different quarterback. Oh, absolutely so. And, I don't know if that's an indictment of, of those who were there before him, but yeah, I think you're looking at Carter Stanley, and I thought it was a guy that 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 had to, you know not a, not a huge ceiling, but it was kind of a steady guy over the last few years. Kind of got pushed in and out of the lineup, um, and now he's playing his best football. Something's unlocked, and and I, I got to give the credit to uh, to Brent Deerman because he has been terrific over the last two games, and Stanley, of course, Big Twelve Player of the Week this past week, and in uh, in leading this offense, which showed big playability for the first time, like in multiple ways against Texas Tech last week. So, yeah, the offense has been unlocked, and, and Dearman's had quite a, uh, a two-week debut. i tell you what, Kling, this Saturday is a get-your-popcorn-ready day, Kansas State versus Kansas Sunflower Showdown. Um, I'm actually really looking forward uh, to this game. And, you know, something I look at, you know, I like high school football and everything about it, but the top ten recruits in the state of Kansas, the number one recruit from Lawrence Free State uh, is going to Nebraska. Right out of Lawrence, the, the number two guy, Daniel Jackson of Bishop Age, committed to Minnesota. Kai Thomas, the best running back in the state, committed to Minnesota. Out of the top ten, Kansas does not have one committed. Kansas State does as far as seven, nine, or ten, but nobody in the top six. To me, and there, there was you know there was questions about uh, the head coaching job of Bill Snyder and what was going on at Kansas. This is a big time for both these schools, Les Miles and Chris Kleiman at Kansas State, to turn some heads of these local recruits in Kansas. Absolutely. And, I mean, I know that they and they haven't been there very long. The staff definitely has, has spread themselves across the state and, and try to lock down the borders and those types of things. And certainly in the Kansas City area, uh, there's always kind of a fight to, to, uh, to, to make inroads. And certainly because they've had the turnover over the last, what, 10 years, um, it's been hard to, to get any traction in the Kansas City area. So certainly, yeah. They want also the two first-year head coaches, right? They want to prove that, that yep. they're the ones that can have the uh, the foothold in the state. So from that perspective, absolutely, it's a it's a big eye uh, you know eyeball game for for a lot of the local recruits. I know a bunch of recruits in last week as well. You can imagine they're going to do that again and and, and hoping that they can uh, can impress with K State in the building. Well, I've been impressed by Les Miles and the coaching staff at Kansas. It's a huge game at Kansas State. And be honest with you, I know K State just beat Oklahoma. I don't know what their mindset is trying to talk to John Kurtz. You know, they're they, they feeling good about themselves. They're ranked 22nd now. But you overlooking Kansas a little bit because I don't think – I think Kansas has Kansas State's full attention. I think people know how good this team can be. But what about the people of Lawrence? I mean, you were there last week when they beat Texas Tech, starting to buy into this program. 
Yeah, I think so. I think the, I think the last two weeks have certainly done that. Um, you know, scoring, scoring, and then coming away on the right side of, of a victory for once when they've had so many of those types of games where they've been kicked in the gut and have lost those types of games to finally get that one. And I think the, the buzz started Saturday night, right, after KC, yeah. you know, knocked off Oklahoma and then Kansas got that win. It was immediately on to, wow, this is suddenly going to be a big game again. And, uh, you know, Kansas hasn't had a, uh, a full house in quite some time, and they're expecting to get uh, close, if not that. Now, there will be the purple in there, definitely so, but I think the battle will be on to see who can have the most in the, in the stands. And we haven't said that for a while. Uh, even if it's a uh, Kansas-Kansas State rivalry matchup, this one has certainly a lot more juice to it. Well, I've already got the pizza pre-ordered, 2.30 on Saturday, the Sunflower Showdown, Kansas State and Kansas. That's Josh Klingler from Fesco in the morning here tomorrow at 5.58. Thanks, Kling. You bet. There you go, Josh Klingler right there. As always, do the top three games of the weekend. Looking forward to this. Now, this is, uh, you got some dilemmas. You need the two TV sets at 2.30. I like to go 11, 2.30 in, 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 in the night games. Can't do it. Georgia versus Florida. Number eight versus number six. The world's largest cocktail party in Jacksonville. Although they won't let them say that anymore, Julio. 2.30 on CBS, then Kansas State versus Kansas. Number 22, Kansas State. Sunflower Showdown. 2.30, catch this game. Fox Sports 1, of course, will carry it on 610 Sports Radio. And you know what? I'm liking this SMU versus Memphis. Number 15 versus number 24. College game day is actually at Memphis. Enjoy the game, 6.30 on ABC. Thanks to Gary Pinkle, John Kurtz, and Josh Klingon. This has been Rush the Field. Thanks to Julio Sanchez producing the operation. See you guys next week. Rush the Field with Jay Binkley.